There's a lot of excitement surrounding Gerard Mayo's hiring as the New England Patriots head coach right here in New England. But what about beyond Foxborough? Stick around. You're about to be locked in to the Locked On Patriots podcast. You are Locked On Patriots, your daily New England Patriots podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all of you, Foxborough faithful. Thank you once again for making Locked On Patriots a daily part of your New England Patriots coverage. Don't forget, Locked On Patriots is not only a proud part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, but we are also free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. So smash that subscribe button, download and follow wherever you get your podcasts to ensure that you get the latest episode as soon as it's available. I'm your host, Mike DeBate, and I cover your New England Patriots for Patriots Country of Fan Nation, so reach out to me and let me know what's on your mind on X at M-D-A-B-A-T-E-N-F-L. And while you're out there showing some social media love to Locked On Patriots, please follow our account there as well at L-O underscore Patriots. And of course, Pats fans, today's episode brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash NFL. And use all lowercase locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. And Pats fans, Gerard Mayo, the newly minted head coach of your New England Patriots, officially been on the job just a few days, already off to a fast start. The Patriots have a number of candidates lined up and ready to be interviewed for their vacant defensive coordinator position, including current Patriots defensive line coach Demarcus Covington. I personally think would be a great hire, but again, that's a little bit above my purview. Patriots going to have a number of coaches coming in to interview for that position. And of course, we found out late Thursday night, the Patriots are going to have to fill that now vacant offensive coordinator position with Bill O'Brien heading back to the collegiate ranks, and he's going to be the new OC for Ohio State. And a lot of you everydayers out there I know have been voicing your opinion on Gerard Mayo's hiring. The future state of the New England Patriots, if you will. And so far here on Pod, we've broken it down from a financial perspective with our good friend, the Pats Cap himself, Miguel Benzon. And of course, a team perspective with Thomas Murphy here on Thursday. But today, we're going to examine Gerard Mayo's hiring from a national perspective. How is Gerard being viewed by the national media, both for his work on the field and for the sociological impact of his hiring. Folks, if we're talking national perspective, who better to join me to discuss all of this and more than one of our very favorites here on Locked On Patriots, truly a member of the Locked On Patriots familia, Tanya Ray Fox of FS1 and the Almost Shameless podcast. is going to pop in here in a couple of seconds to lend her national wisdom in counsel, and we're even going to talk a little Bill Belichick. So without further ado, it is my honor to welcome my good friend, Tanya Ray Fox, back to Locked on Patriots. Thank you for having me. It's always it's always great. A little delayed, but we're at it. We still got lots of mayo to talk, so it's great, and I'm glad to be here. Glad to be able to uh, get talking about the new coach. This is my first um, full podcast that I'm going to be able to actually chat you know long form about it so you're going to get some fresh good stuff from me today absolutely folks and don't worry i know if you follow tanya on social media the way i do 
you know that she and I are among Bill Belichick's biggest proponents. Um, it's a bittersweet moment because there's definitely excitement on both of our parts to see where the Mayo era is going to go in New England, and we're excited about this hire. But we're also a little sad to see Bill go. So we're going to take it home today by sharing our favorite Bill Belichick moments. Yeah, folks, you're not going to want to miss this one. It's going to be a lot of fun, so stick around to the end. But, Tanya, I thought we'd start today with the national perspective because here in New England, there's a lot of excitement about Gerard Mayo coming in. We're hearing all different kinds of rumors now that the coaching staff is going to be a lot more progressive. There's going to be a lot more open communication. Gerard and the Patriots are already starting to line up candidates to come in to potentially fill offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator roles. That D coordinator, obviously open. Offensive coordinator now open, too, because of Bill O'Brien's leaving and going to Ohio State. But from a national perspective, there's kind of this undercurrent about the Patriots, at least from our perspective here in New England, that the Patriots are not exactly today's news any longer. This is a team that is 4-13, and 13, probably still a few years away from contending. So the shockwaves sent through the NFL universe may not have been as great as if this happened a couple of years ago. But you have your finger on the pulse of the national feed when it comes to the NFL. What is this hire being perceived like from a football perspective first? Are you hearing any type of either optimism or maybe pessimism when it comes to his hire about Gerard's ability to bring this team back to glory in relatively short order? Yeah, I think the national perspective obviously is it's going to be a little bit like less focused on what Gerard's going to be able to do as a coach and more just, wow, this is such a massive shift. Mm. And I know, you know, uh, on Fox Sports 1, where I work, there's been a lot of conversations on air about the transition, obviously about Bill Belichick leaving. That was like one of the biggest stories in sports, but also then them hiring Gerard Mayo. It means a lot to a lot of people to see um, Gerard get this opportunity um, purely just as like a homegrown team, you know, sort of uh, heir to the throne type coach and for him to be a black coach in that spot is a big deal. So that means a lot to a lot of the, the na even the national talent and people on ESPN and Fox sports one and these other places where they're talking about this on air. And I've read a lot of columns, you know, about people talking so much about just the, the, the magnitude of not only this, uh, franchise hiring their, you know, first black coach, but late head coach, but also just the way that he was hired. Right. So that's what people are kind of focusing on. Mm. Um, and there has been a lot of discussion around that. There is also a sense that this is a team that because they have a new head coach who is unproven, who is very young, um, that there will be a drop off in interest in the Patriots. That has been happening over the last few years. And the tone is essentially like, Without Bill Belichick, why do we care about you? We like we like Gerard Mayo. Hope he does well. But what what is there? Like you're a four and you're a four and thirteen team that just fired or sent along the greatest head coach of all time. He is probably going to be somewhere else at some point. Um, that is going to absolutely draw more interest than this young, you know, former Pro Bowl linebacker who's taken over the Patriots. Like they're just not equal. Um, and until there is a reason to pay attention to the Patriots again, which is winning major hires or a new quarterback, the interest level is going to continue to drop off, especially in the AFC East, where the three teams they're in the division with are a little bit more interesting for various reasons. The Bills obviously are winning the division every year. The Dolphins are a bit of a hot mess with this new hot head coach who's like offense kind of... <laughs> 
imploded on him. We don't know what's going to go on with Tua. They have to fix their defense. But McDaniels is clearly a guy that like everybody wants to continue to watch and like right. hear from. And the Jets are, as per usual, a spectacle, you know. You can say what you want about the Jets being inept, but they had a better record than the Patriots this year. And they've got Aaron Rodgers, you know, making everything constantly uh, a news cycle, you know, talking point. So um, the sense I get is that it, this was really cool and they had a good run of discussing the hire. And I do think that they're very interested to see what Gerard Mayo does on a football level. But as far as um, a team that people are nationally interested in, they're going to have to do a little bit more before people care um, what the Patriots are doing uh, in 2024, as far as like on the field, like whether they're going to be a, a meaningful or uh, relevant team mm. to the landscape. Yeah. Very good point. And I'm glad that you mentioned the sociological impact as well, folks, because as you can see, we are going to discuss that a little bit in depth. We haven't had a chance to yet uh, to this point on Locked On Patriots, but Tanya and I will get into that in just a moment. But from a pure football standpoint, when it comes to the national narrative, surrounding Gerard's hire. This could actually work to his advantage for the reasons that you outlined. The Buffalo Bills are still considered the class of the division. They won the division, even though the Miami Dolphins started off strong and looked like they were going to overtake Buffalo in their endeavors to win the AFC East. Buffalo still was standing at the end and they're playing this weekend. Miami is not, but Miami is still a formidable team with a lot of star power on both sides of the ball and a head coach that seems to be able to push the right buttons when he needs to. So they're going to be uh, in the forefront when it comes to next season and beyond. The Jets will be as well for all the reasons that you stated. Aaron Rodgers automatically is going to raise the expectations of that team over the offseason. And you're going to start to see them return to national consideration. I don't necessarily believe they're going to be the Super Bowl contenders that everybody thought they were going to be heading into 2023. But Rodgers definitely gives them uh, much more of a puncher's chance than they had in 2023 under Zach Wilson and, and uh, you know, at all when it comes to the quarterbacks that were tried in New York this year. New England's kind of laying in the weeds right now. Uh, Gerard Mayo used the Gardner uh, analogy earlier this week and saying, we're just planting seeds right now. We're not in the watering stage yet. So maybe the lack of national attention being paid to him from a football standpoint may be a good thing because it's going to allow Gerard to build his own style, craft the team in his own image, and then move forward with the personnel and the players on the field that he feels gives him the best chance to win. So definitely has the confidence. He definitely has the maturity and I believe he has the X's and O's savvy to be able to make this team successful, maybe quicker than Patriots fans hope, but I do caution patience. This is a rookie head coach. He does deserve at least that consideration, folks, and give him time to do what he needs to do. But Tanya, I think you're absolutely right on the money uh, when it comes to the national narrative. And who knows, folks, maybe it will work to the Patriots' advantage. Patriots fans, I hope that you are enjoying the wisdom and counsel of my guest today, Tanya Ray Fox of FS1, who has provided some unique insight on the national perspective of Gerard Mayo as the head coach of the New England Patriots. But Gerard's hiring is not only intriguing from a football standpoint. His standing as the first African-American head coach in Patriots history means a great deal to him. He said so in his introductory press conference. And folks, it is culturally significant. When we continue here on Locked On Patriots, Tanya and I will weigh in on the sociological impact of Gerard's hiring, as well as the succession plan put into place by the Crafts to ensure that they gut their guy in Gerard Mayo. 
All that and more when this episode of the Locked On Patriots podcast continues, a proud part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Patriots fans, we all know that passion, drive, and patience is what brings home that winning trophy. But it's also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers to roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and so much more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber and not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Patriots fans, thank you once again for joining us here today on Locked On Patriots, hopefully bringing you into your weekend in style. And what better way to do it than with my good friend, the great Tanya Ray Fox of FS1, already giving a ton of wisdom and counsel when it comes to the national perception of Gerard Mayo's hiring. Tanya, in the previous segment, we talked about what this hiring means from a Patriots football standpoint, where other teams or where maybe some of the other media markets are viewing the Patriots in the pantheon in the NFL. All well and good that the Pats now are moving forward into a new era. But again, a 4-13 and team is not going to get the other team's attention, like you said, without winning some games or without making a big type of splash personnel-wise, whether it be through the draft or through free agency. But one of the items that's really getting an awful lot of national coverage, and rightfully so, is the fact that Gerard Mayo now joins the New England Patriots organization, not just as the 15th head coach in team history, but also the first African-American coach in team history. Gerard has never shied away from the subject of racism. He's never shied away from his race playing an important part in who he is and shaping the type of coach and the type of man he has become. He said very matter-of-factly that being the first African-American coach, the first black coach in the history of the New England Patriots organization definitely means a lot to him. Tanya, from a national standpoint, how is the hiring of Gerard Mayo being received? Um, What type of impact could it have socially when it comes to the NFL and the brand it's trying to purport? especially the way Gerard's hiring was handled with regard to the Rooney rule and the crafts of thinking in securing him before that type of rule had to be enacted. I, I read this article uh, by uh, William C. Roden on Anscape, and he wrote very specifically about this, about the Rooney rule being subverted through this, um, naming him the heir, signing this contract, doing the whole thing. Right. And, uh, his take was really fascinating to me, and I think it's worth sharing and then expounding upon. And essentially, mm-hmm. he's saying this is actually – it's this uh, – I mean, it's an old-school mentality, genuinely, to bring up your the successor, take the guy who the owner loves, who the fans love – who knows like, you know, the system or whatever, and promote this young guy that you have sort of attached all your hopes and dreams onto is not actually – very forward thinking at all. It's actually very safe. 
but he, this time it's a black man. And that is something that we don't see very often, even with the black head coaches who are hired in the NFL. Um, there's a Rudy rule for a reason because there are very all like people aren't promoting their black coaches from within. So this, the, you know, whether you like the Rooney rule or not, or you feel like there's a better way to do it. One thing that's not happening very often is getting the good old boy promotion through the ranks. You're a guy who came up and, you know, became the golden boy in the organization. That's very often not a black head coach. And so that is kind of revolutionary. So in that way, um, Kraft is sort of moving the needle with an old school approach to finding the successor. Kraft said point blank, I wish I had hired Bill Belichick after 1990. When Bill Parcells left, I wish I had kept Belichick and not second guessed myself. I'm not going to make the same mistake, right? So he's admitting he's had this philosophy to hiring his next head coach since the 1990s, <laughs> you know, and that's, and we've seen Good it point. a lot. So I really, I like, it's a very interesting um it's it's hard to necessarily grab onto because on one hand you want uh you want coaches getting opportunities to interview right like you want that but on the other hand you also want black coaches getting the same opportunities that white coaches get or coaches any coach of color getting the same opportunity that white coaches get within their organizations to prove themselves to come up through the ranks that's been a huge thing that's why um, the coaches who do create diverse staffs and give their staffs opportunity to grow and get out there and interview is such a big deal. Um, and so I think part two of that plan will be Gerard Mayo being that guy uh, to create these diverse staffs that give uh, other players opportunities. And, you know, so there's, it's a, it's a twofold thing as far as I'm concerned is, um, you know, it just ha so happens that Mayo was a bit of the Nepo baby. Is that a bad thing? I don't think so. Because, mm. I mean, the only these are slow structural changes. Let's not make any mistakes here. This is like a deep structural institutional thing. The NFL has institutional structural racism built into it. The way to move past it is to start making those structures, um, you know, include other people mm -hmm. before we, you know, so those people can change the structures in general, right? And to me, that's a good thing. I am a white person, so I'm perfectly happy to be told, eh, this is why I find this approach problematic. But so far, I've seen a, generally across the board that um, it's been received pretty well. Like, hey, mm -hmm. you know, that Mayo was, he was tab tabbed as the next guy. And it's a good sign that Mayo is not only a former player, um, not only a black player, um, but a player who's outspoken about what he intends to do in terms of uh, diversity and um, promoting uh, diversity within the organization. So, you know, it, by and large, there's definitely a sense that this is a step in the right direction for breaking down a little uh, more of those walls that haven't been broken down by the Rooney rule at all. Mm, very good point. And I've seen this tweeted out quite often. And to be honest with you, I completely agree with the assessment that in its practice, in its theory, the Rooney Rule is designed to promote greater equality, greater inclusion. Uh, it doesn't always mean that it's carried out in the same fashion. It can be interpreted in one way, but in terms of it being carried out, it doesn't always live up to its intentions uh, in practice. By Robert Kraft doing what he did and putting that into effect, I think you make an excellent point that this is not necessarily so forward thinking. It is actually very smart business uh, when you think about promoting your 
homegrown talent from within and wanting to maintain a level of continuity even when you have to change hands. And I spoke about this a little bit yesterday here on Locked On Patriots when it comes to Gerard Mayo kind of moving into a new era. There's still a lot of Patriot way and Bill Belichickian um, philosophy left in him. And that's a good thing, folks. Gerard may have a different way, a different mannerism of being able to reach his players the media reach his fellow coaches and even ownership. And I think that voice is definitely a good one to be heard. But at the same time, there's also a work ethic that's going to remain intact. And because he does have that base here from Robert Kraft, from Bill Belichick, I think it gives him a heads up on the competition. To be yeah, able let's, to let's not forget that uh, his teammates used to call him Gerard Belichick. Absolutely. Just, I know he's grown a lot since then. And he is an, <laughs> he is a full grown adult man who had a business career. And I you can see that he's changed his philosophies. But I don't care who you are. I know I know the things that are in me that my mom gave me no matter what I did. Like there's some stuff I do that I can't help. It's just in me. It's just who I am now. It's, you know, you got your familial ties. Gerard's always going to have a little bit of that Belichick Patriot way in him and um, and the good stuff. I think it's going to be the good stuff. I do. Absolutely. And I think you make a great point about it being a little bit more progressive when you look at it through the lens of Gerard being the first African-American coach in Patriots history and receiving this type of treatment. It definitely does help to break down some walls and really, I think, illuminate a topic that is very difficult for some to broach. And understandably so, but it's also necessary to broach. And I think that's where Gerard's comments that I've seen a lot taken out of context when it comes to the thrust of what he had to say in that press conference. I think he was very pointed in his message about learning that seeing people in a different light doesn't necessarily mean you see them in a negative light. It's about knocking down the negativity, not knocking down the difference, knocking down mm -hmm. the negativity. And when you do that, that allows you to move forward Patriots fans, I always enjoy absorbing the wisdom and counsel of my good friend, Tanya Ray Fox of FS1 and the Almost Shameless Podcast, and I hope you are too. But before we wrap up today's show, we're going to take one last ride in that Belichickian time machine, and we're going to reminisce on the 24-year run of head coach Bill Belichick. Yes, folks, I understand. It's time to move on, but not before sharing our favorite Bill Belichick memory with all of you everydayers out there. And, of course, to our new listeners as well. When we return, we're taking it home one last time for the now former HC of the NEP when this episode of the Locked On Patriots podcast continues, proud part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Patriots fans, thank you so much for joining us here today on Locked On Patriots. And I am honored and humbled, as always, to be joined by my good friend and valued colleague in the media, Tanya Ray Fox of FS1, already breaking the wisdom and counsel meter off when it comes to the hiring of Gerard Mayo from a national perspective, as well as the sociological impact of hiring the first African-American coach in New England Patriots history. But Tanya, you and I both have been experiencing a lot of bittersweet feelings lately, I know. Um, Seeing Bill Belichick leave after 24 years of excellence, and the majority of that time, folks, was indeed excellence, is not easy to take. Six Super Bowl titles, nine conference championships, uh, nine trips to the Super Bowl. You're not going to catch lightning in a bottle like that again. Um, there were some moments that were frustrating. I know there were some moments that are polarizing among the fan base, but there were a lot of good moments as well when it comes to Bill Belichick. As you look back in retrospect now, whether he's headed to the Atlanta Falcons, both 
folks at the time we're recording this. Bill Belichick has not been introduced as head coach there yet, uh, but it's possible. But no matter where Bill ends up, he's going to be on a different sideline next year wearing a different cutoff hoodie, and it's going to look weird. <laughs> but at the same time, when you look at Bill Belichick and you think of all the great memories that have happened throughout New England, if you had to pick out one, and I'm sorry to put you on this hot seat, but I'm going to do it anyway, what would it be? What's your lasting memory of Bill Belichick as head coach of the New England Patriots? Well, I'm just going to be a little weird. I'm going to be a little weird. Um, everybody's got their favorite moments on the field. Everybody's got their favorite moment after the Super Bowl bite from a press conference, whatever. And I'm with you. I've got all of those. But the thing that um, gave me a different view on who Bill Belichick is um, for the first time really ever. He was hired when I was in middle school. So to me, Bill Belichick was how all NFL coaches are. I didn't have a concept that like that, that wasn't like the way everybody acted until, you know, I was like slightly older and I was like, oh, apparently he's in like a, a different breed. Right. But the first time that I got to see a little bit of who he is beyond the mystique, beyond the many rings and the undefeated season and whatever was the NFL films of football life. And um, that was, you know, that was unique. It was, it was years ago now. It was a long time ago now. And we have so, so, so many of these like behind the scenes documentaries. And because of social media, we get deep insights into um, coaches and players that we never did back then. Um, and that you know, those, you know, I guess I'm kind of cheating, but the behind the scenes of his meetings with Tom Brady and the, uh, and the Randy Moss inviting him to the Halloween party. These were things that were two sides of like the same Belichick coin of like, this is a guy who the players are kind of afraid of. And then also this is a guy who's incredibly collaborative and actually is trying to connect with his players. And I'd never seen that side of him. He was so, so, so protective of his, um, of his, relationship with the players, you know, and they were, because they were Belichick into being quiet at the podium. Um, we didn't fully get it. Like, I don't even remember. I, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I don't even think we knew he was having those meetings with Brady until, no, until this then. came out. Mm -hmm. So that, that is like, I know it's not an on the field thing, but it, it so much gave me a sense of how little we really understand what's going on behind the scenes with these coaches, especially coaches as quiet as Belichick, and made me reevaluate some of the criticisms even back then um, that people had of Bill Belichick. And I think it started to it started to create a, the sort of defensiveness of Bill Belichick, the coach Bill Belichick, the enigma that I've uh, grown into over the course of the last like 10 years or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love that you're thinking off the field as well, because that's actually the memory that I'm going to share. Earlier this week, I talked about Bill Belichick on the field and imparting his wisdom and his counsel uh, to his players and getting in there and showing them how to throw a block and snapping the ball during practice. I'm going to miss seeing that because there's a love for football that Bill Belichick has that I've never seen in anyone before. And bottom line, folks, I think Tanya articulated this perfectly. Watch a football life. You'll see how much Bill Belichick loves the game of football. But my favorite Bill memory is going back to Super Bowl 52. And a lot of you out there are going to groan at that because I know the outcome of Super Bowl 52. Yes, the Patriots lost to the Eagles, but it was when Bill Belichick got off the plane in Minnesota and he's wearing a black fedora. 
Well, I had a ball with that. You can guarantee. I even tweeted it out, folks. Go back and take a look. I guarantee the tweet's still there. Um, and I called him Don Belichick getting off the plane in Minnesota and going reporting for business and taking care. He's going to settle all affairs. I didn't know at the time that it was his father's hat. He revealed that later that night on opening night uh, with all of the media present. And it was a moment where I finally connected with Bill Belichick, not on a personal level, folks, but just on a wavelength. And I understood that moment. I understood why he wanted to wear his dad's hat. And his official quote when he was asked about it during media night, and he said, this was my dad's hat. I thought I'd just toss that one on today. Felt good about wearing it. Minnesota's a good place to have a hat. So it did the trick. I lost my father at a young age. And Bill had his father for a few more years than I had mine. But any child has lost a parent, Tanya. And I know you can talk about this from personal experience. Wearing something of theirs or holding something of theirs gives you a sense of them still being with you. That always is a way to keep them with you. And Bill Belichick wearing his dad's hat that night, going into Minnesota, going into a Super Bowl game that a lot of people expected them to win, reminded me of me wearing my dad's watch to a big meeting or a big press conference. I do that. And I do it in that way, not because it's a great timepiece, not because I look at it and I go, wow, my dad left me. It's not an expensive timepiece, folks, but it was my dad's and he wore it almost every day. And it still runs perfectly well to this day. And I still wear it on special occasions. So the fact that Bill Belichick grabbed his dad's hat on a special occasion and thought that it was the right thing to do, that's what I did. I thought it was the right thing to do as well whenever I wear my father's watch. So it's a father-son thing, Coach. I completely understand. And I hope you took that hat with you to whatever destination you're going to uh, because you wear it well as your dad wore it well. And hopefully someday I'll be fortunate enough for people to say you wore your dad's watch just as well as he did. That'd be the greatest compliment that I can receive. And to me, that's my favorite memory of Bill Belichick in New England in the moment Mike, that I really are you serious? Him. Are you, you're <laughs> over here. You're going to try to make me cry on a Friday morning. <laughs> what kind of menace have you become? That was lovely. And I love that you shared that story. And I agree that there, you know, that the, his relationship with his dad and why he does what he does. It's so, it genuinely is so deep into who he is. And in his core, we saw so much of it in the NFL 100. Um, I hope people don't forget how incredible it is to have somebody who loves the game that much still in the game. Mm, I hope they absolutely. don't forget that because it is a huge deal. And the impact that you just described, the familial impact, the, the, the impact on the game, it's big. And it's, it means a lot to us for a reason, 24 years with the same coach. People don't get that. People don't yeah. get that, you know, very often, if absolutely. ever. So um, I think it's cool that we're able to share these things. And I think, um, you know, when I shared my story on social media, people very much related to it. And I think people will relate to everything that you just said. And I think it's lovely. And I'm really glad to hear that uh, other people are feeling that. And I know I know that your listeners are going to absolutely adore that story. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And likewise, I think your story was amazing as well. And I think it's interesting that we connected with the emotion of Bill Belichick, because it's the one thing I don't think he gets enough credit for. You know, everybody's yeah. going to talk about the diabolical manipulator and the coach on the field and, you know, the ruthless competitor and the guy that benign brain picked everyone he ever talked football with. But the emotional side of Bill Belichick does exist, folks. And for those of us in the media that were lucky enough to see it and for those in the New England region that really got a chance to get to know him a little bit, um, I think it's a part that really needs to be told and a story that deserves to be told. And 
hopefully Patriots fans will connect with Gerard Mayo in the same way. And 25 years from now, you know, our descendants will be sitting here talking about their connection with Gerard in the future and maybe hopefully celebrating a few Lombardi trophies of their own. So, Tanya, this was a blast. Thank you so much for letting me share that moment with you and with all of you out there. And thank you for sharing all of your candor as well. And of course, your insight and your wisdom and counsel. Second to none, my friend. Before I let you go, please let everyone know where they can find you, interact with you on social media, uh, and what you have coming down the pike from FS1, uh, the great pen, the great voice of Tanya Ray Fox. Yes. Um, so always on social media, Tiny Ray Fox, and obviously threads and Instagram, Tiny Ray underscore Fox. Um, lots of TikTok stuff. I'll have some TikTok lives coming up. Um, some playoff TikTok lives. We're gonna we're gonna do some fun over there. So if you do that, um, head over there. Uh, we also have uh, Almost Shameless. The archives are all there. We're also doing new episodes soon. There's uh, Almost Shameless shorts on uh, Instagram. Like, you know, all kinds of Almost Shameless content for you to catch up on. Do that. And that's my podcast for those. I think everybody knows that by now. I don't know how many new listeners we have, but that's my podcast. And uh, yeah, and then FS1. I mean, I'm behind the scenes running running the show. No, I'm not running the show. But um, we are that's always true. doing, you know, we're... If if you've got if you've got some good um, Belichick take if you see any good Belichick takes or uh, Patriots Gerard Mayo takes on Fox Sports One I'm going to take credit for them um, they are not mine but I will be taking credit for them so if you want to throw you know if you want to throw the comments underneath wow this is was a great thought by Tanya Ray Fox I'm sure all the talent will really appreciate it uh, no but um, tune into those shows we're always trying to put out fun new content I think we're doing a really good job so there you go that's that's a lot I hope you guys got. I didn't mean to like throw all that at you, but we're busy. It's football season. It's almost done. And I need to capitalize on the fact that it's still busy season for me. So tune into all of that and come chat with me on TikTok live. Um, if you follow me, you'll get updates about when I'm going live. So just remember that. Absolutely, folks. Whenever Tanya puts voice to microphone, pen to paper, or behind the scenes knowledge into practice out there on the big screen, folks, absorb it all. You will be more informed. You will be entertained. And what more can you ask for? And I thank you for joining me here today, my friend. It's always my pleasure to share the microphone with you. And folks, thank you, all of you, for taking time out of your busy schedule this week to join us on Locked On Patriots. We'll be back here on Monday with our big green friend, Thomas Murphy, and we're going to open up the mailbag. Locked On Patriots Mailbag Monday is back. So get those questions in over the weekend. In the meantime, I thank my good friend, Tanya Ray Fox, for her wisdom, her counsel, her insight, and her candor on today's episode. And I thank each and every one of you for being everydayers, valued everydayers, right here on Locked On Patriots. On behalf of Tanya Ray, I'm Mike DeBate, reminding you all to stay safe and to stay well and to be the change you wish to see in the world. Have a great day, a great weekend, everyone, and we'll see you back here again on Monday on Locked On Patriots.